think Mike Duffy called them the boys in short pants. And I they're both boys and girls because I've seen them. Women and men. Hello, this is the Boys in Short Pants, episode 87, the 88th episode. I'm Laurent Carboneau. I'm uh, Amit Rainville. Thank you for that. Uh, we were like, drag you kicking I, and screaming across the I, line I, there. I couldn't think of any funny jokes. Well, that is not a new problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, thanks for thanks for listening again, folks. Uh, always. Oh, I thought you were thanking me. No, I would never thank you. Being a team player. No, you're also never that. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit about. It's actually been a reasonably. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's like a lot of stuff is happening, but the. At the same time, it's not. I don't know. Remember uh, how I keep saying we haven't had a government for six months? It yeah, feels it's like it's kind of that. It's it just still, continues to, yeah. It really feels like it's still the case. So we want to talk a little bit about what's coming up on the House of Commons side, uh, and then we'll talk, we'll zoom out a little bit. Um, so there are, committees have come back. Uh, they came back the sort of beginning-ish of February. Um, however, it's been a very slow start for many of them. Um so we, there was a lot of fanfare about committees kind of going into this parliament because obviously in a minority, you have one more seat on the opposition side than you do on the government side. Committees are much spicier. Though they're not. And that's the interesting well, thing. It's because there's been a sort of, the liberals I think have, so to zoom out a bit, the, the context here is that most committees have not really gotten off to a speedy start in scheduling studies bringing in witnesses getting starting to get work done there have been a couple of exceptions but it has been a very slow start and my 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 quote-unquote conspiracy theory on this is that the liberals realizing that they are not going to be able to control committee proceedings are trying to basically keep them at a minimum by just like endlessly wasting time and delaying in meetings and subcommittee meetings there's a lot more use of subcommittees um when I worked for an MP, there was basically always we would just work it out in committee. Yes, uh, like every we would just discuss in committee, and it would get we'd, we'd have studies, you know, and a decision would at, be made at, and at a clip. It would move forward. Yeah, though it was a quite unusual committee in the sense that it was quite collegial and it was not often a forum for uh, grandstanding for well, grand, it, a couple times. Well, a, a couple of times. I don't, yeah, not, I don't want to get not in the in committee business. No, I don't want to get things. too into that. Uh, but yes, it, it was largely collegial. But now it seems like the liberals have basically decided that the advantageous move for them. And and look, if you're you know at the liberal whip's office and you're like, actually, this is not what we're doing. We just have really incompetent MPs. Then like, drop us a line. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to revise my. Uh, I'm happy to revise my threat assessment here. But. Um, no, I mean, it does seem like basically now it's like everything is like dragged out procedurally as much as humanly possible. It's like, why discuss, why discuss this in open committee when we can discuss this as a subcommittee? And why discuss this as a subcommittee when we can move it to the next meeting of the subcommittee <laughs> and like spend hours debating semicolons instead? Uh, which has been a bit of an, and look, frankly, like tactically that makes sense, right? If you can't control the forum, you want as little to happen at that forum as possible, I guess. But it is uh, a little tedious. Sure, because I, I think it's worth recalling sort of the schedule of events so far. The election was won in October. Yes. Um, Parliament reconvened in briefly in December. Yeah. Um, then end of January. And like sort of all along the way, people are like, oh, when is committees going to be named? When are people going to... When are committees going to pick their first studies? And it's yeah. like... 
In many cases, not yet. They still happen <laughs> to this day, yeah. a lot of them. Some have selected a topic, yeah, um, but have not take, undertaken any particular um, efforts towards that. Um, other, I mean, there, there are two notable exemptions that at least pop to my mind, which is the study of NAFTA, which is obviously a priority for the government and is being pushed through as quickly as possible. Well, and it is already out of committee. Correct. In fact, it's back to, for third reading uh, uh, this coming week. Or is it report stage? Report stage, you're right, yes. Yes. Say it again. It's report stage. No, the other part. <sighs> you're right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, NAFTA and the uh, Canada-China, I don't know. Oh, the, well, the Canada-China committee is a bit of an odd one, of course, because it was established by opposition day motion rather than being a standing committee. Correct. Yes. And it is sort of an opposition fishing expedition of sorts. Yes. Um, so that one has been having meetings and doing things. Yes. Well, they had the ambassador but, to China, some other stuff. It's uh, been a little spicier than most venues. But most of the standing committees have been, as you've laid out, very, very slow to get off yes. the ground. Like Indu has... That would be the standing committee on industry and science, for yes. those of you who do not know the four-letter acronyms. <laughs> Indu has, like, you know, the industry committee is a quite a spicy committee. Yeah, I um, mean, it's it's a bit of a, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it, it's like too big a mandate. Yeah, it has a shit ton of things to do. Industry. Oh, okay. Um, so that means like... <laughs> a, a lot of things coming down the pipe, you know, from everything from privacy to economic development yes. to take your pick. Um, however, uh, privacy is ethics, but. Well, they actually, yeah, that's the annoying thing. Is the industry, yeah, I mean, and this is another one of my hobby horses, is that, like, there should just be, like, a digital issue. No, I I was thinking Privacy Act, so, like, PIPITA, which would not go to ethics. PIPITA does ethics, or uh, ethics does PIPITA as well. They did a review of PIPITA. They can, but, like, Like a year ago. They can also go through Indu. Yes. Um, Goes to show that there should be a digital issues committee. Yes, Indu is, like, the... The telcos. Uh, and, well, it's like the I said, the I said. Yes, but like, but in reality, like they spend a lot of time on telcos because it's federally regulated. Sure, like, which is sort of quasi where they're at now. Yeah. Like just getting a study off the ground on prank phone calls or hoax calls or what is it? It's, it's like phone scams, it's, not prank. Like, it's, it's like you know the eight calls a day you get <laughs> from quote unquote the CRA legal department. Those I actually. Do not get many of those at all. You are very lucky. I, I get have it. I get a weird Alberta number that I get very. Few there have been times where I get like three or four a day. Yeah, I get like zero. I cannot very rem- I cannot remember the last time. Yes, I picked- and that was actually that was an NDP push, I believe. The scam calls. Okay. Yes. My the most calls I get are all from the conservative. Well, I'm party. actually looking at my list of of committees that I want to talk about here, and like I I didn't have Indu on my list. But that is an NDP-pushed motion. Uh, official recognition in AI at uh, ethics is an NDP push. And uh, palliative care at health is also an NDP push. Would you like to take a victory lap around the living room? I kind of, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, no, but like it's like genuinely like one of those forums where like if you are the most experienced person on the committee uh, on your file, you have a lot of pull. Which I think is... Regardless of your party. Almost explicitly the case in Ethi. Yes, where they the entire membership of the committee was shuffled, except for Charlie. incumbent Charlie Angus. Yes. Yeah. Um, which, and he was the one driving the facial... Well, I mean... The whole... Give, given the news yeah. of Clearwater AI... And, Clearview. That's what I said. You did not say that. 
Clearwater was actually one of the neighborhoods in Fort McMurray. Okay, there you go. Not known for its Clearwater, I'm sure. Um, no, it is the Clearwater River. Yes. Very, very nice. Oh, well, so if you call it that, it's just like the, uh, the you can't call it the tar sands. No, see, you have to know the geography. There's not a lot of No, I know. They keep it out of, the out, of, water. out of the sight, out of mind. The Clearwater connects to the Athabasca right around there you the go. lower town site, which then goes to the oil sands. Mm, delicious. Up, upstream. The tar sands. We, we've determined that it's actually not not a river or sorry it's the river but not the neighborhood yes okay i was thinking of waterways waterways, waterways the neighborhood so fort mcmurray geography folks for, for uh <laughs> yeah just in case you need to know at any rate yes so um to to go back to the ethics committee that's going to be uh their their early study um they've kind of been driving it along uh the rcmp and like various other police forces that came out were like using this technology after denying it strenuously for a couple of weeks until the client list got hacked and then they were like ah shit it's gonna come out yeah yeah i mean the new york times has been doing a bunch of reporting on this there's like the story about the billionaire using it to like id not a good looking guy by the way (laughs) he looked like shit (laughs) no using it to id like his uh, not his girlfriend's his uh his daughter's, daughter's date yeah who is a, a venture cap a, a venture capitalist from san francisco and i think his quote was i i wanted to make sure he wasn't a charlatan which is like if you're a venture capitalist from san francisco <laughs> you likely are but uh or like ashton kutcher using it on like the hot unconfirmed wings YouTube, unconfirmed the he hot did. wings youtube channel that i've never understood this is i don't know this it's it's called like hot ones and it's with all sorts of celebrities sit down and eat progressively hotter hot wings with the host until they're eating like very picante hot wings yeah i have i have no idea i don't understand it at all but this is what is this is some entertainment this is some gen z fortnite shit entertainment in 2020 fuck off with this i don't want to hear about it i don't know what you want it's available all over the place you can get the the hot sauce at your local farm boy my my only thing i really watch on youtube is the bon appetit test kitchen videos there you go yeah want to sit in a restaurant and eat one of everything oh those are great <laughs> i love those 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 are awesome all right getting back on track where are we have what? you seen the deli one of that yes that's so. so good okay uh I, I would love to eat one of everything at a deli if there are any delis that listen to this podcast <laughs> we we will come record at your deli and eat one of everything there the personified deli oh so good i love it I, you know honestly like the thing with downtown ottawa is we don't really have a deli like it, it, and some some idiot just said Nate's and fuck you, no. And if there is a deli, tell me because I want to go. No, I mean downtown Ottawa doesn't have a burger place. I mean, not counting fast food. Well, because there's like McDonald's, McDonald's bars. Yeah, McDonald's doesn't count. Okay. They're on. Our nearest bank. Wendy's is too far. Is the answer. that is true? Yeah. No, honestly, the lack of Wendy's is. Uh, there used to be one on Spark. Ninety nine percent of people have a Wendy's. Readily available. It makes no sense that in a country as rich as Canada, that we cannot have a Wendy's in downtown Ottawa. <laughs> I'm asking for your support once again. <laughs> I'm once again asking for your Dave's Double Hooper. <laughs> okay, the, the Hooper is not the... The, the Dave's Double Hooper. Um, okay, sorry, we've gotten very off track. Uh, the other committee thing that's going on that, that's mildly dramatic is uh, INAN, so the Indigenous and Northern Affairs Committee. I wonder why. Is there anything going hmm. on on that file that the- would draw <laughs> national <laughs> what, attention? What's that? Uh, the Bloc Québécois had a motion uh, to invite the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs as well as uh, the ministers and 
other experts, basically. It was very vaguely phrased. Uh, it, that was amended to uh, remove the uh, Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs, and it seems like the ministers will be coming this week, uh, Miller and Bennett. So that may be an opportunity to hear about the negotiation process that happened. I'm so, sure Bennett's just happy someone wants to talk to her. Yes, she was not <laughs> really in high demand for a while. No. There. Yes. Which really begged the question of, like, what is the point of a minister that no one wants to talk to on this file? Yes. Um, but it seems like... I, I legitimately it's, think... It's almost as if she shouldn't have been kept on the file. If she had gone and... Look, you lost your $20. <laughs> just You're saying. not getting it back if she saying. gets shuffled. Um, no, but I, I really do think, had this gone on another week with no interest in talking to Carolyn Bennett, I think her days would have been very numbered at that point. Because, like, you need credibility. Yes. Yeah. And 100%. Yeah. It's the same thing as, like, a, a foreign affairs minister that no one wants to talk to. I, I still remain. <laughs> well, I say that. Uh, yes. Uh, different problem there, oh, I suppose. It's going to be awkward when he's shopping for cheese at your local farm boy. I suppose. Yeah. That's the. Yeah. Okay. We don't need to talk about more downtown Ottawa <laughs> <laughs> geography or shopping <laughs> options here. I think we've done enough of that this episode. Um, the farm boy just opened. So this is a very, uh, very game changer for downtown Ottawa. Um, so anyway, palliative care at. Uh, oh, so you're. Okay. You're just bridging to another one. Okay. Well, I mean, is there anything else you want to say on I just. It's like usually ministers come in every six odd months to talk about estimates or the budget sure i i mean i think this one will be notable because yes. the you know the government is still in the midst of a crisis on this um I'm, you wouldn't know it i was just gonna observe i mean media on the blockades and very short uh, attention span has dropped substantially uh, and i mean some have been resolved the amount of solidarity protest seems to be decreasing um, some of it seems to just be because of general f- sort of broad fatigue. Yes. Um, if anything, on the part of media as much as anyone. Um, but, like, the fundamental issue is the government announced a deal, but the deal did not address the core issue. Uh, well, well, do we know? We don't know what's in so, the deal, do we? We know what's not in the deal, and okay. what's not in the deal was an agreement on uh, coastal gas link. Okay. Um, the deal is... Rights and title oriented? Yes. Yeah. With sort of a agree to disagree on the core uh, coastal gas link yeah. question. I mean, I think that that's an interesting way to frame it, because for me, the rights and title stuff is the central issue, and the coastal gas link stuff is the sort of like secondary issue. In the sense that it is a direct consequence of the other one. Um, I, ca- I can obviously see how that, that is the flashpoint and thus what yes. is looked at. But reverse that in terms of the perspective of dealing with a short-term crisis. Yes. Um, in the short-term sense versus the long-term sense, sure. the core issue becomes dealing with Coastal Gaslink and the solidarity protests. Yes. As opposed to... Uh, the long-term rights and title question. Yes, but like, but yes, yes, the, the it's very hard to drew up. Yeah, I mean, re- fundamentally, that's what the whole thing is about. Was right? one of the precursor. Yeah, issues it's like what what is consent? What is consultation? What is blah blah blah? Like, yes. does does it does any of it matter? Like, yeah, who, that's the fundamental who, what, issue. Where, who when? speaks on behalf? Yes. Yeah, uh, though actually, that who, that question is legally settled in this specific case. <laughs> but uh, yes. 
at any rate quite complex agreed yeah and the, like we've not talked about this on the show that much and i guess that you know for anyone who's wondering it's, it's once again there's an issue of just expertise here it's that neither of us are really experts on on indigenous rights and title law uh on section 35 stuff on it's just not something we know intimately and this is a complicated fluid rapidly moving situation that i don't think either of us really feel comfortable like wading in hip deep and saying stuff and then just like being totally wrong i think we try to keep the being totally wrong to a minimum in general like i'm sure it's happened but uh yeah i mean I, I think we definitely try to avoid it there, so there's always the question of like what is our value add on a given topic yeah when you can listen to you know cbc's morning podcast where they'll have on the professor who has written their phd on indigenous yeah. rights and title and it's like i we're I, just two I, assholes i, I, I yeah. encourage you to go listen to that yes, for your, like we, your explainer of the background we are we are just two guys um, so palliative care made as it's known around the hill well no that's a different thing <laughs> <You're, yeah. laughs> well in fact that's kind of the uh <laughs> no, there's a linkage here yes yeah, so, well that's where i was going yeah is so Pat, that's where i was going yeah but you sort of you sort of bury the <laughs> yeah you put the cart before it, the horse on the correlation between the so two. the government recently so actually zooming out even a little more there was a court decision during the election um about courts bad timing so they don't really care um it was a quebec court decided that the or struck down the federal government's medical assistance and dying law that they had passed in 2016 um for not being permissive enough essentially uh it's that it had restrictions on uh the i don't remember the precise language but basically on the the imminent expectation of of death had to be there like you had to be someone who is in the process of dying and the idea was to shorten it Per the 2016 law, the court found that that was excessively restrictive on charter rights. So they are now back to the, well, they're out of the drawing board and into the presentation of legislation. Parliament. So, which they've done. Which they've done. They've tabled that legislation. Um, I have not had a chance to look at it super closely. So, all that to say that that's the context for this. Uh, palliative care is kind of the other side of the coin. Yes. Where they're often people who express discomfort with medical assistance dying for a variety of reasons want more funding for palliative care and it, which is like i think a totally commendable and necessary thing to have on its own merits anyway so like i'm glad that they're doing that um and there was uh also once again an ndp motion a couple of years ago that passed the house uh to have a palliative care strategy which is very cool um so it's good that oh yeah. yes the national palliative care strategy that in all of the provincial jurisdictions yeah well i mean we have national strategies for all kinds of things in provincial jurisdictions and they have a reasonable track record of doing just fine like coordination is an important federal function can, can you can you answer a question sure what percentage of ndp private members motions pmms are calling for national strategies is it 99 percent or is it 100 percent uh i think it's a bit lower because i think we have our <laughs> share of stuff like calling april 7th national norwegian day or Ooh, something i don't know great day april 7th yeah. my yeah that that was the the day of the the bjorn of the national in <laughs> norwegian history it's not a real thing please please do not even attempt to google that <laughs> you will you will only hurt yourself um but yeah so sorry palliative care um yeah it, it is a a sort of 
component of a holistic approach to end of life care that medical assistance dying is also a part of that um, it is good that the federal government is taking a look at what or sorry that parliament is taking a look at uh, yeah um, so we will see where that study goes. I think health uh, health is going to have a very busy parliament, I think, given the, the salience of pharmacare. I mean, they had a very spicy committee hearing on COVID. Um, uh, one of their briefings yes, from, yeah, from officials, from officials yes. was not so much a briefing from officials so much as a um, partisan tug of war over the releasing of documents. Ah, um, yes, they did do that, didn't they? About text messages, I believe, was the, uh, all, the big, all, the big all fight. All sorts of things, but yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and there was sort of, yeah, so we could, well, actually, do you want to talk a little bit about, I guess we want to talk about COVID later. Yeah, let's, let's okay, keep, we'll table We'll table that for, keep for that COVID. that arrow in our quiver. Very good. Um, so the other one is the government a couple weeks ago reintroduced, uh, substantially reintroduced, because there are a couple changes, actually. Uh, Ronna Ambrose's private member's bill on sexual assault training for judges uh, the key difference is that the government's bill seems to make it optional uh, is kind of one of the the big concerns. It says must uh, undertake to acquire versus like must do. Sure. Um, and the, the, my, I think undertake is in there. The language might be very slightly off. But the idea is that basically judges have to like show a good faith effort to have done this versus have done this. Uh, which is obviously a bit weaker. So there are some concerns about that, but the Justice Committee is studying this now, which should be interesting as well. Sure. I mean, that that's classic government legislation versus PMBs is the, with the additional virtue of being able to run it through DOJ yes. and put, they put their big legal hats on and yes. say- and limiting liability and yeah, yes. let's, that's the big hat of DOJ. Further? Yeah. I mean, DOJ has their- their fair share of unconstitutional legislation they put forward in the past 10 years. I have a lot of things to um, say about DOJ. Most <laughs> of them, most of them not printable. <laughs> um, but that's probably why those changes, there was a bit of a department uh, of justice for people. I don't know if we said it or not. I, I try to do the, the parentheses thing every time. There was know, a bit of kerfuffle early on up. in this legislation in that conservatives uh, were moving to amend it. Right. To include uh, parole board. Ah, um, yes. In relation to... A, a prominent news story of a couple of weeks ago. Yes. A horrific one, mind you, but yes. Um, and so there was the, you're not supporting your own legislation, or Ambrose's former legislation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So a bit of a... Bit of a, a, a bun fight, fight if over you will. That. Yes. Um, but it seems to be going ahead. And, I mean, there are constitutional questions and stuff like that that are worth reading about. Yeah. Um, because I'm... Always supportive of any legislation, not just simply being supported by everyone, that, you know, all legislation deserves scrutiny. Yes. Um, despite the, you know, political situation, all legislation should be scrutinized. I, I've made this case about uh, the NAFTA legislation as well. That everything deserves scrutiny? Yeah, because, I mean, it is... But lo- NAFTA legislation is dumb because... <laughs> Spicy take. Well, no, it, it is, because it's, like, fundamentally, the parliamentary study of NAFTA legislation serves yes. no purpose, really. I mean, okay, it serves a broader purpose of informing the public, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, I know, but I think but there like, are, like, I mean, yeah, it's a done deal. You don't amend. It's a yes or no. Implementa- implementing yeah. legislation. Unless you're the Wallonian Assembly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just don't. You don't, because then it triggers renegotiations. Yes. Like, so... You can have all the stakeholders, and they're basically all saying, pass the legislation, pass the legislation. Yes, which has been the, the push. Um, yeah. 
and including so like the act- legislation is going to be passed. Yes. Um. Yeah. Though. Yeah. No. I mean. It, yes. There's the time for discussion over NAFTA is pre the. Well, I mean, there's consensus. A, I would say, Etienne, that like there's a bit of a. The government thinks that the right time to negotiate NAFTA is never. Uh, in the sense that, like, at every step in the negotiation process, you hear, like, this is the best deal we could possibly get. And then it gets amended, and they're like, this is the best deal we could possibly <laughs> get. And then the U.S. Democrats amend it. This is the best deal we could... And it's like, okay, well, like, one of those times you have to be bullshitting us, right? Like, um, and then it's like, well, you know, like, oh, don't question it. We're in negotiations. You're just undermining our position. And then it's like, sure. oh, what's well, a done deal, so now you can't question sure. it. Like... There is a bit of, like, very convenient thinking about the right time to discuss this, uh, which, like, I, I, like from a self-interested perspective, I get it. Like, obviously, I, I, I think, it's in, in I, the government's interest to be like, this is off limits, how dare you? I, I think the answer is, with the government while they're negotiating, is seems to be the, the well, right with, one. Well, with which government when they're negotiating? Our, our government. No, but then you're undermining them at the table. No, no, no not backdoor, as opposed to, like, like, all sorts of stakeholders engage with the government on... Yeah. Like, among the most prominent of which was probably uh, the auto industry yes. and the labor industry. The labor <laughs> industry. The, the the people business. Jerry Diaz's role in the whole thing. Yes. Um, like, that is when all the stakeholder input yeah. is formed to craft the government position. Sure. Um, and then the government takes that and fundamentally these negotiations are closed door in part because of... Yeah. You know, the well, hard... just like, you, yeah, you can't negotiate with an open door in, in a lot of respects. Yeah, right. I get that. But, like, it's just it's just funny that, like, from an opposition party perspective. Of, of course. It's like. Because opposition. There's not a time where you're being told. But the opposition is never wielding a scalpel. They are wielding a cudgel. And yes. so it's like, maybe the cudgel is never the right. No, but even then, it's like if you are wielding a scalpel and and going after specific provisions, I think like, for instance, you look at the digital chapter, there's a lot of like real flagrant issues there uh, that I think like people in in hindsight are going to be like, that was a bad idea uh, because they were put in there by at the behest of U.S. tech giants that are trying to evade scrutiny and regulation internationally. And like, we're going to be like, shit, that was that was a bad idea to have that. Uh, like not being able to examine algorithms uh, that yeah like it's pretty restrictive right and like there might be ways you can juke that by doing black box sort of audits and stuff but like it's pretty like people are going to feel kind of dumb about it at the end of the day at any rate all that to say that uh yes uh everything deserves an airing uh hopefully in the people's house or in one of the people's houses committees um and uh good work can get done there i think it's uh i'm i'm pretty bullish on on committees that work well i think there are a lot of really dysfunctional committees and i think the effort the seeming effort alleged effort to make uh alleged by me uh to make committees not work this parliament is a little disappointing it's it's early days i would also say the role of the block in this has been really disappointing because they basically just act as an extra government vote like 90% of the time because they're very like just broadly I don't really understand what they're doing like they're very cozy with the government like 90% of the time except on like there are three things where they're like we, you you must let us be racist like we have to be <laughs> racist or we will die um, so some of it seems to be 
Like, I mean, there's a And genuine... also, we have to end the stupid duplication of tax forms, but only on terms that are ludicrously advantageous to the province and not the way that makes sense. So, on the block, um, historically, the block, I think, are acknowledged to have had a very good parliamentary team. Yes. Um, in their heyday, once upon a time. Though, yeah, and as we've discussed, the sociology of the new hires is a bit of, a, of an open question for us right now. Yes. Um, because they've, yeah, and to re- recapitulate that discussion a little bit, just to add some context to what you're saying, the Bloc obviously hasn't had official party status since 2011. Uh, the Bloc, the Parti Québécois in Quebec City is a fourth party now in their legislature. Um, they do not have the bench that they've traditionally been able to draw on. A lot of the people who are, you know, who were uh, Bloc you know, sort of immunoscities at various backroom roles have like moved on to other things or just are like, you know, retired. Uh, so yeah, like there's a lot of open and like one thing that's kind of a telling Par- parliamentary skills, like naval shipbuilding. Yes. Are a, uh... well, and like, here's one telling statistic on this is that of the order paper questions currently on the order paper, Zero of them are from the block. Really? Zero. The block have zero OPQs in? Yes. That is like parliamentary mispractice. Well, that's what I, that's what I mean is that like, Jesus. there is like the emphasis. And, but the thing is, is like they, they have a big research office and they're like doing a lot of work. Yeah, they have And more, they show up to like. They have more resources than the NDP And like now. every committee, you, you, you go to a committee meeting and there's like, there's blocks, block house leader, whip or research office people there. So it's like they're they're doing stuff. Who are these people? I, but the, you know, I've actually tried to talk to them before. Like, what did you do before you did this? This is really, that's neat. Welcome to the hill. And like, I've gotten a couple answers, but not, I don't think a representative sample. So I don't want to like throw people under the bus here. But uh, so in in those limited interactions, yeah. were they a couple people like, were from parliamentary backgrounds, or they're like, I just finished my undergrad. A couple people are were from the Assemblée Nationale, which okay. I don't know from which party though. I guess it's the, I didn't ask. I should have. Sure. I'm too polite. Okay. It's ultimately, a, the a fa- the intelligence ask, failing. A here. few asked and staffers. Yes. And that's yeah. it. That's, that's all I can remember. Sort of... I think there are, there are actually a couple long time staff who've stayed on even through the, the quite lean years. Sure. Um, they find house themselves and, and like and look like honestly like run. the people who've been there a long time from the block like really are experts like they are pros like they they are very very good and they know their stuff top to bottom um but yeah like it's uh it's definitely quite a complicated undertaking i imagine the ndp had the same thing in 2011 when they went from you know sure. 30 odd seats to 100 odd right like yeah, you had to hire a lot of people, and like, where are you finding them? Because like, you'll and like the NDP is a, a little easier because there's all the sister provincial parties. But like, if you're the block, uh, you don't have the block Saskatchewan to sort of uh, <laughs> take people Franco from. Franco Saskatchewan. Yeah, it's a uh, Francois. That's what uh, I said. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. Okay, um, that, that, I think that'll do it on our parliamentary update. E- Unless you have anything you want to add. E- I think that's good. I bet people love listening to us just make <laughs> high-pitched squeals at each other. <laughs> at least there's no longer any sirens in our episodes, or at least there haven't been lately. Yeah, we're, yeah, since the 10 moved to the suburbs, and I moved to a building with windows thicker than, like, friggin' spun sugar. Spun uh, sugar? Yeah. I, I, What's this weird? I don't know. Okay. Well, you know what I mean, spun though. Spun sugar, all right. Have you not, never heard that term? I'm imagining cotton candy, to be honest. <laughs> 
might be what it is. I don't know. Anyway, who cares? I've just seen the term written. Never really heard it out loud. Bad time. This is some real old guy. Bad, bad old guy. Time. I'm having bad a Joe Biden moment here. <laughs> um, dog horse pony soldier. Dog faced. Is a dog faced pony soldier? I don't, I don't, yeah. It's incomprehensible and it's not a real term. So. Well, it's apparently maybe partially from a John Wayne movie, partially. but like not really. Yeah. I look. I'm, yeah, I'm. You know what? Let's just move on. I'm not gonna go there. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about uh, was so development this week in the conservative leadership race, which has kind of been rumbling along. Feels lower profile this time than it did last time. Just generally, before we launch into this, is that is that like a correct impression, or is it just like I'm more busy with other things and have less time to devote to paying attention to it? Because um, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, it's it depends. Um, you wouldn't think so, but it's a bit of an apples and oranges comparison because of, you know, it was post Harper coming out of government too. Right? Yeah. It's like, coming out of government. It's yeah. post Harper. Uh, the threshold to enter was lower. It was a longer race. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny cause last time everyone said, this is the one everyone is sitting out. Yes. And then this time it's kind of also the one everyone, everyone is sitting out. To sit it out. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Like, no one seems to want this job except for Peter McKay and Aaron O'Toole and Erwin Gladue. Um, and, and a bunch of, like, socially conservative guys who just, yeah. People I've never really heard of before. Hey, you're not the only one. Um, like, it was a clown car last time. And then this time it's just, like, a bit more of a muted... So phenomenon. what was it? 14, 15 people last time. A lot, yeah. The threshold was set higher this time, but the threshold is actually staggered where the first threshold has been passed, which is basically 25K down yeah. and 1,000 signatures. And so we have, I think it's eight people who've crossed that one. The next one is at the, not quite the end of this month, which is, don't quote me on this. I think it's another 25K. And then there's a big one that comes up, which is like $100,000. That math isn't adding up. It's more money than that overall. But So there's there's three gates um, getting progressively tighter. And most of this field, I think over half of this field, will not make the final gate. Yeah, I think that's pretty well expected. Um, like the SoCon camp is too big. It's split over a bunch of different candidates. It definitely needs to be winnowed down. Um, and I, I think basically... What you're seeing in the SoCon camp is competing for who's going to be the heir to the SoCon throne. Yeah. Um, SoCon being sort of like the the capital S, capital C of like Campaign for Life Coalition and those. Like in the last one, people might disagree, but it was sort of Brad Trost. Um, and Brad has been bumped out of the party. He got bye-bye well, honeyed he, in, he a, bumped, in a nomination. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so he was throwing his support behind, if I'm not mistaken, it was Dekehi, um, who was sort of he was like not running a now. random former staffer. Well, yeah. he, he, he got the he got the red light. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. He yeah. got, got, got red lit yeah. um, in the interview stage, it seems like. Um, who then promptly threw his support behind uh, Derek Sloan. Who is a sitting MP. Who is a sitting MP. A new one, albeit. Yeah, so, like, had... I mean, it's an awkward situation for the party. Had Derek expressed in the interview the exact same views as 
Decary. And not been a sitting MP, he would have been told to fuck off. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But <laughs> Almost certainly. When, yeah. when this person's a member of caucus, that's yeah, a, mu- it a becomes much different yeah. dynamic, right? Yeah. Um, so he seems to be picking up the mantle, but there's others um, who are equally trying to make a run at that. Yeah. Point. And I mean, I would say, like, there's. So the SOCON thing, I think we can all agree, both agree, there's only two of us, is like, it, no one seriously thinks this matters at the end of the day because it's like they're not going to win. I, right, I, but it's I like, wouldn't say that. So what I would say is the import is where those people go in the final round of voting. If there is a final round. Well, I mean, there's going to be a final round well, by definition. <laughs> but that's what I mean, Insofar right? Insofar as it's all a first and final round, yes. that is the question. And yes. the O'Toole camp has been positioning themselves well, yes. to keep the... Yeah, to, this is what I want to talk about. Is the last time you had, I would say genuinely distinct visions of what the party under different people would look like. Uh, with Baronier, you had a, you know, we need to turn substantially to the right on economic issues uh, and leave social issues alone. Uh, with or with Sheer, you had a, we need to just kind of keep doing what we're doing, uh, maybe moderate the nastiness perceived or otherwise i'm just amazed you nasty nastiness so yeah. very nasty conservative party <laughs> yeah. it's been very nasty to me um, that that never happened no well, yeah i agree but no but it's just and then michael chong with like a, sure. we need to just be liberals and then aaron o'toole of like we should vote for me uh <laughs> No, that's unfair. I actually had a lot of respect for the campaign he ran last time. I'm having a little more trouble this time. Sorry, Aaron, if you're still listening uh, to the show. Um, but all that, there was like a, I can sort of do the Harper, I think a more fair assessment is I can do the Harper thing, but better than, than Andrew Shear can, I think is kind of. Sure. Um, but at any rate, just to say that there were like legitimately distinct visions of the party on offer. Obviously, Lisa Raid as well had a sort of like yeah. another sort Kel- of Harper. Kelly Leach had Harper Botts. Kelly Leach direction. had a very ideological lane. Stephen Blaney, I definitely got the sense he was a big fan of nuclear power, <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else. And milk. And, and is Muhammad going to. Anyway, <laughs> praise be upon him. Uh, peace be upon him, sorry. Uh, yes. At any rate, it was a very rollicking campaign with a lot to it. This time, it's sort of a... I don't know what this race is about. Peter McKay is sort of, like, saying stuff and then disavowing it the next day because it's the Max and Bernie digital staffers, like, just freelancing, and then all the Bay Street lawyers <laughs> who are the rest of the campaign are like, this is insane, you can't be saying this. <laughs> and then he's like, sorry, I, I didn't mean to say it, but also I'm gonna, like continue to kind of say it it's it just like it doesn't make any sense to me like that campaign to me seems to be genuinely completely already off the rails and doesn't know what it's about except for peter mckay for leader fair enough Aaron O'Toole's campaign i think is ideologically defined but not in a way that's very concrete on concrete issues it's very much oriented around a sort of feeling of what the conservative party should be like which is quite conservative uh, fair enough. Like, obviously, it's it's not my political party, but uh, so, it, it, people are fine to do that. But it, it, the idea, the, the centering of it around law and order kind of stuff, 
of O'Toole's or McKay's? Of O'Toole's. Because McKay's done the same but thing. But he's also disavowed it the next day, right? Like that's not, the f- not as much on the Law and Order stuff. He's he's trying to stand on his record as Attorney General. Um, Does he really want to do that? <laughs> no. Uh, no, but my- here's, here's what, like, the fundamental but to issue. The, sure, go the, ahead. The ballot box issue. One has been framed by, um, I would say, O'Toole's camp and not by McKay's camp. Sure. And it's been framed in opposition to O'Toole. Yeah. So or, do you sorry, want... in, op- in opposition to McKay. Yes. Yeah, so do you want a real conservative? Well, no, not so much that. It's which side of the tent is the door on, sure. I, I think, is fundamentally what yeah. it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, McKay, flap, I guess, if it's a tent. <laughs> flap, I don't Yeah. <laughs> It's McKay's whole positioning. I mean, he's not the blue Tor- or red Tory. I-, I hate all this language. Even though well, it's not I've, as, I've it's, used it a ton. It's not helpful. But yeah. he's sort of trying to appeal to the moderates, the centrists, what have you. That's, that's always been, at least outwardly, how he's been framed yes. by the pundit class. Yeah, yes, um, I agree with that. Perhaps more so than in real life, but yes. that's always the way the pundit class positions him, is as, you know, the center-right, liberal-light. And that's... Well, because he was, like, the leader of the PC party. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, that's, that'll do it. But it, it's been a long time since yes. he was leader of the PC party, and a yes. lot has changed since then. Indeed. Um, but so O'Toole jumped on and said, okay... I'm going to try and claim the other wing of the party. Yeah. And everyone right of Peter McKay. Yeah. That's my group. Yeah. And it, McKay is trying to get and I would say everyone to the left. It's very... It's a highlight for me because he ran a very different campaign three years ago. O'Toole. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I think that's undeniable. Which is very um, strange to have to account for not just a public record, but a very public leadership race in the very near past that you had you had a very different tonal and political approach to what was the romney campaigners uh once the race is over you shake the yeah the sketch just, and yeah. it all goes which is back which to... is all, gen and like i genuinely think that an aaron o'toole leadership would tend to look more like his first campaign than this one like in my mind maybe the, i'm being overly charitable but i don't know in my mind if you take o'toole and uh mckay I don't know what each of them governing would look like. I but like, that, it that's is, it precisely is, my point. Is, is like, what is this race me. about? It's about tough rhetoric, but like, about what? Right? Like, no one is like talking about like we need to get back to balanced budgets right away. No one is I'm, talking. I'm sure that'll come. I'm sure. Yeah, maybe. But like, well, I, it's it's been. We well, it's been months. Yeah, <laughs> we did, didn't we? Um, Fire truck just rolled by. It's just like, what is this about? Like at the end of the day, it's about leaving the conservative. Yeah, party. it is. But like, what? And I think there's a degree to which the the ideological position of the party, um, as carried through from Harper to Shear, and from Shear into this race is not fundamentally changed in any way, yeah. really. Um, most of the policies are status quo policies. Yeah. In, to not, the degree not, that there have status, been policies. Not status quo in terms of our present government, but status quo in, in terms, terms of, of the conservative party. Yeah. Continuity, it's it's yeah. still boutique tax credits. It's yeah. still the same stuff on environment. It's still the same 
you know, there's the Kanzuk, which is, but like anyone in the conservative circles could have been cool with that. Like, yeah. it's, it's not fundamentally ideologically different in any way, shape, or form. It's sure. free trade, which, you know, the party has been in favor of since the national policy, I guess. Right. That would be the opposite of that. Actually. No, I mean, the national policy that, was, yeah. that's when it, <laughs> sure. post national policy. Yes. Um, so what are the ideological distinctions? It, you're right. It's entirely around rhetoric between yeah. who represents aspirationally, which wings of the party. Yeah. Policy but it's like be the wings of the, like, what are the wings of the party about? Right? Like for, you look at like the U S democratic primary right now and you have a, a Bernie Sanders and a Joe Biden, both of whom are clearly on different sides of the party. Right. Uh, but, there is a genuine contestation of economic ideas and to some degree social ideas there too. But like there is a sense that Aaron O'Toole is running further to the right, but it's insofar as he's talking a tougher game about protesters. You know, that's kind of it though. As far as I can tell. I'm having this thought that this must be what liberal leadership races are like. Yeah, it's like, what is this about? Where, like, there's no clear, defined ideology by anyone. Everyone believes the same thing. And it's like... But, like, or nothing. Yeah, well, that... And I have enough respect for the conservatives to, uh, like, concede that you guys do have real beliefs. And, like, I respect that. Liberals, no. No, you don't. It's... Yeah. I, you get no respect for the liberals. I don't, I don't know how liberals distinguish themselves in leader races. Pure electability, in I le- think. Yeah, is, yeah. It's, it's that. Yeah. It's entirely that. Yeah. Like, whose father was more powerful? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Elmer McKay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Aaron O'Toole's dad was also, I mean, less of a... Provincial politician. Less of a... Not Elmer McKay, but um, yeah, yeah. level. Uh, so we, we sort of buried the lead. What prompted this discussion, I mean along with light political news overall, but was the, um, and, and we should uh, sort of sew this in belatedly, was uh, Jason Kenney's endorsement. Of Aaron, oh, yeah, right. Of that was literally the first thing on my, my note there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, we suck at this. Holy shit. <laughs> we were like, big news this week. Let's talk about the state <laughs> of the race. Okay. We've been doing that for 10 minutes. <laughs> Here's the big news. <laughs> Uh, you know, this is this is what you get for for a conversational podcast, folks. Is uh, all the ebbs and flows of natural conversation. So, I mean, biggest endorsement probably in the race, and it's the biggest endorsement conceivable in the race. No, it's not. That would be really? Harper's endorsement. Really, um, would be bigger than Jason Kenney's. Absolutely. So that's it. So for me, that's interesting because for me, Stephen Harper, it's it's been five years since he was leader. Correct. Obviously, I imagine that there's a lot of like residual goodwill, but like Jason Kenney is right now Premier of Alberta. Like, I think that that. Ha- wait, I don't know. Wait, what, what I, was what was that last word? He's what? Premier of Alberta. Well, last word again. Alberta. Oh, very regional. But okay, and this is I think in a, it is the region that is the beating heart of Canadian conservatism. And how many ridings are there in Alberta? 35? I, I, don't I mean, again, you, you say this like I think the conservatives should be less focused in Alberta. And like, you're right. They should be. But they are not. They are intensely focused on Alberta. Agreed. But what I'm saying is with the membership system and the structure of a 100 points of riding yeah. over the entire country, yeah. 338 ridings, each getting 100 points, the 
fundamentally, even though Jason Kenney on the national scene represents, you know, he is the leader of the opposition in, in many respects. To, yes. To Justin. Yeah. Trump, yeah. More, I think more so than she ever yeah, was. I think that's true. Um, even though he is sort of conservatism personified in the country right now. Um, <laughs> that's your guy. Eh? Just, that's just, just that's good. It's Alberta. It yeah, is, that's, it is that's Alberta. the guy you want. It is Saskatchewan. You want know the guy uh, whose extracurricular was a uh, was bullying fucking people dying of AIDS. I don't good. think anyone is looking at Mo as the de facto leader of the. No, he's the de facto leader of the propane movement. <laughs> that is a Bobby King of the Hill reference. <laughs> he does look like fucking Hank Hill, man. Um. So I I think Jason Kenney's endorsement is significant uh i don't no, it, i yeah it's i don't think it's a surprise who they picked but no the no and like case. very telling that like aaron o'toole's so far landmark policy offering is a riot shield the protesters bill the same week that the alberta government also introduces a riot shield the protesters bill yes yes i mean it just seems like there's a lot of cross-pollination some, some, some of simpatico if you will yes um so, fun, fundamentally, the endor the big the biggest endorsement possible is Harper's. I, I still maintain that. that, that okay, that, yeah, that's just interesting to me because to <clears> me, <throat> in my mind, as someone who's outside of the movement, he seems like someone who is like who obviously would carry weight uh, as and as an elder statesman, but is not like necessarily going to be a day to day mover and shaker. Though now that I think about it, there was of course the whole sheer ouster itself. Which Stephen Harper was fairly intimately involved in, in in some ways. So that is a fair point. Still in many ways. And, like, let's just, like... I mean, I thought he he was too busy just backslapping with good guys like Victor Orban and Modi, but... uh, The the gravitas that Harper carries, his senior staff are still put out on the pundit circle by virtue of being Harper's senior staff. Friend of show Rachel Curran. Um, Like... Corey tonight or whoever are everyone still identifies as their um basically their position in the harper government not yes anything else it's yes. still sort of the pinnacle of the the conservative pyramid well fair enough you were federal government for um, you know, however many years but yeah, nice yes. so yeah i mean all, all of that to say biggest endorsement um so uh, here's the left field question would doug ford's endorsement matter what would that do Yes, it would, um, and I'm I'm sure there is the desire to get it, without a doubt. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think obviously he'd be more inclined to endorse O'Toole than McKay. Um, the backslapping family dynast, though, there's a lot of, and I don't know. There's a. Lot... You remember Harper going to campaign with Doug Ford in the 2015 election? Honestly, no, I don't. He did. Okay. In, in the in the tail, like I believe you. In the tailing days of the 2015 election, yeah. Um, I mean, there was a lot of Ford drama at the heart of of conservatism, as I recall. Do you remember when Jason Kenney and Jim Flaherty got into like a tiff on the floor of the House of Commons over Rob I, Ford? I do. Yes, and which side of that was Jason Kenney on? He was anti-Ford the anti Ford side. side. Yeah. I mean, Jason Kenney. I don't know if that's water under the bridge now. Obviously, different Ford brothers, so you know. But Jason Kenney's conservatism has always been a fundamentally different conservatism than the Doug Ford. Oh yeah, it, it is much more ideological and much less like small p populist. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. Um. So I mean, it it is conceivable that yeah. O'Toole gets the the Ford endorsement. Yeah. Um. And frankly, if you look at the staff, the staff yeah, are yeah. working on. Oh, 
Oh, no. I'm actually going to reverse myself. Ooh, okay. Uh, no, a lot of... Actually, th- this is... There's much more Ontario in Peter McKay's campaign, I think, there too. There is. Yeah. Um, and some of the same people, a lot of the Bernier folks... Yes. ...went to Ford afterwards. Yes. And they've now found themselves hired in the McKay campaign. Yes, the, the Rubicon um, element. The, the crossing of the Rubicon, if you will. Yes. So I actually don't know. I mean, Ford could conceivably sit it out. He basically sat out the federal election. Yes. Well, because um, he was like, <laughs> he was about as, yeah, anyway, sorry. I, at any rate, he was a liberal and NDP punching bag. So there was very little reason to tie him more directly to conservatism in Ontario than he already was. Some people think that was a mistake. Here we are. Um, it, Mr. 26% approval rating was like, some people were saying, we need more of this guy. I mean... I, I'm curious about that, because that's interesting. You, you remember Trudeau campaigning with Kathleen Wynne and tying his brand explicitly to Wynne when she was at the... That was... And that was very dumb, and he shouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, like, personal loyalty at that point. is like, we should give this guy a boost, but, like, I don't know who would have... I think they made the smart decision not doing that, in all likelihood. Yeah, well, smart decision... It's a counterfactual. We, yeah, we can't know. We can't know. Um, they lost. Uh, by they sure did. By being able to get seats in the GTA. Yeah. And the either biggest asset or liability sat it out. Yeah. So could have gone either way. Yeah, I suppose they couldn't have done worse. You can, you can make a well, they could, they could have done slightly worse, I guess, but not much. You can make an argument compellingly either way at this point. Uh, because at the end of the day, Doug Ford is someone that people vote for. Yeah. Um, and... Wins, wins votes, wins Yeah, seats. didn't win yours. True story. <laughs> I was getting married. You were getting married. married You're too busy. busy. Too busy to vote. Very busy. Um, well, there you go. We have one more topic we want to discuss. Yes. Uh, the Christia COVID caper. So, a few podcast episodes ago. Yes, this is this is your this is your this is the Etienne version of the regarding my tweet about the terror group ISIL. (laughs) You do not under any circumstances gotta hand it to him. Um, let me just walk back an earlier position I took Um, because I think there was some underestimating them. Um, when uh, Christian Freeland was named to deputy prime minister. Um, I think a lot of my analysis around that stands, why she was named that position, etc. But my perspective had been that PMO had been trying to bring her in and sort of mollify her, um, and that perhaps it would take her out of the game. Mm-hmm. I that obviously stands as one hundred percent incorrect. Wrong. Well. Part of it stands as 100% correct. Not necessarily the intention, but the effect. Yes. Um, <laughs> she just has uh, started sizing up all the furniture and moving in her own. <laughs> and I think... Instead of settling into the beanbag chair. <laughs> I, yeah. I think where that analysis was wrong was in underestimating sort of the personal and political force that Christy Freeland is. Uh, particularly when faced with an a largely absentee PMO. Yes. That has... No, Jerry Butts. Like the yes. exit of Jerry Butts created a very obvious vacuum. Yeah, that and like never been filled. in hindsight, from the liberal perspective, this is me putting my if I were a liberal hat on. I 
kind of think they fucked up getting rid of Jerry Butts. As much as he was a generator of bad headlines for the government on occasion, and certainly in the occasion of the SNC thing, uh, he seems to have been the one really keeping the lights on See, in a very significant way. You're saying that, but I'm really looking forward to his first appearance in a, uh, a puppet show. <laughs> no one is going to get that. <laughs> no one is going to get that. Okay, so he now works for Eurasia Group, which is Ian Bremmer, the wonky political scientist outfit. Um, Risk management consultants. Where about 50% of their resources seem to be dedicated to a Donald Trump-themed yeah. puppet show. So on it, they're called risk management consultants because their political analysis is about the level of the board game risk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is that a puppet show? Yes. Um... Uh, I can I can I okay sorry I, now that we're on your issue can I just share the like very funny tweet I sent you the other day about like Ian Bremmer's actual business model is taking short positions on companies that hire him because they're <laughs> dumb enough to do it. <laughs> um, no one cares about this. Sorry, but it's very funny to us. So, Jerry Butts had the nickname PM Butts. Um, he for, sure did for very good reason because he basically ran. The he was the government. he was the brains of the outfit. He ran the entire yeah. federal government. Yeah. Um, not always a good thing. Often, no, so often overly centralized. You can't run an entire federal government off a fucking cell phone. It yes. doesn't work. Often, an email server, if you will. Often a bad thing. Um, but he left. Bye bye, honey. There was a void of power, and there continued to be. It, it just void. did not actually get filled for like a very long time. No, and there have been some new appointments at PMO, but I don't think any of them have. Right, and like Ben Chin nominally is the new Jerry Butts, but it's not the same relationship. No, at all. At all. Yeah. It's, it's not... It's not comparable. It, well, it just cannot be. But, um, like, he was a guy who was Trudeau's confidant for 20 years. Like, yeah. it's just, you cannot replace that. The result of all of this for me has been... Or not the result of this for me. That's a horrible way to phrase it. <laughs> but the... Freeland has, I think, come the closest to stepping to that role. Yeah. She was given the opportunity to basically fill this vacuum, and it became obvious, I, I mean, at least now looking back on it, when PMO was paralyzed post-election and not doing anything, she was jet-setting across, well, jet-setting is perhaps more derogatory than I intended, but she was jetting across the She country. was visible, right? Um, you talking to premiers, and, premiers and, yeah. and building relationships in the West and doing all this stuff, and since then, her sort of her purview over the most important files of the government Vietnam, continues to just expand or COVID. at a clip like it's, it's just it's like she just takes stuff yeah it's like in what in what circumstance katamari, uh, demasi i demasi. love katamari i love katamari it is she's just like she just looks at a file and she's like yeah increasing in gravity and she is just picking up more and more files which is basically the pathway to Jerry Butts' dumb. Um, yeah, that's true. Except she's an elected politician. Which is a... a it's uh, interesting, because is it a better look or is it a worse look? Because, like, on the one hand, like... When Trudeau came in, he came in at a time when there was a perception that the quote-unquote boys in short pants, name of the show, uh, had been running things to a degree that was unseemly and inappropriate and that people were very tired of it. And there was a whole Duffy thing around that that, that reflected quite poorly on the government and got them, earned them a lot of bad coverage. Um, and then Trudeau came in sort of promising that, you know, cabinet government was back. Right, that it was going to be sort of oh, that, that he was, was going to be a first among equals. No, yeah, it was. But like I'm saying that now, 
it's actually a lot more true than it was like a year or two ago. Well, now it's it try like a duumvirate, but one of them is woman. Yeah, and yeah. The prime minister is not very powerful. Yeah, it's like his office. Yes, so she is she is the shogun and he is the emperor. <laughs> yeah, it's actually not a horrible way to phrase it. Yeah, it seems, what seems very. We are now in the Tokugawa shogunate period of Canadian history. <laughs> is, is Trudeau doesn't take an interest in files that are not like youth or like sort of the personal three that he has attached himself to. Yeah, um, and even those ones he has like youth is no longer his file. Correct. The guys, you know, is having Katimovic, all the rest of this stuff. He's very clearly passionate about the youth file based on his personal professional history. Um, but even that one, he's been happy to hand off um, in the most recent cabinet shuffle. Um, I mean, it would be uncharitable but defensible to say that Justin Trudeau's interest in policy issues at this point are the ones that get him to somewhere warmer during the winter. Yeah, it just really seems like he's not interested in governing. I and it has been, I think, pretty painfully visible, both with the sort of uh, LNG blockade standoff and the outbreak of the novel coronavirus. That he will show up. He will do the press conferences. He will show up. And, but it, there's, yeah, there's clearly a sense in government that there's very little prime ministerial leadership. He's not driving anything. Well, and it's obviously. very, it's very telling. And this is sort of the context of this once again. We, uh, we rule at introducing the premise at the beginning what? is that this week they announced that there was a cabinet committee being formed on the, the response to COVID 19. And Christopher Freeland is chairing it. Yes. Yes. So it's like, oh, we have a file that requires a deft touch, real leadership, coordination. Dri- We're giving it to the deputy prime minister because the prime minister is golfing in his head. He doesn't. I don't think he golfs, really. No, he doesn't. Yeah. But, I mean, close enough. I whatever think, Justin Trudeau does to replace golfing. Fundamentally, I think, like, whenever we're having conversations like this, and, you know, these happen all the time, um... I'm always struck by one of the quotes in the Agra Khan uh, Ethics Commissioner report. That said, like, Trudeau views himself as a almost a Jupiterian president, to borrow our Macron Macron's um, statement. But as someone who show, I, shows up when all yeah to sign on the dotted line after all of the work is done. Yes, and he views his role as like largely ceremonial. He, he's almost like he is the new monarchy in a in a very real. The way. Go, well, I mean, the governor the governor general doesn't want her job either, so maybe uh... <laughs> he wants her job. <laughs> he wants to be an ambassador somewhere sunny. Yeah, like, yeah. And Christina Freeland is the one who wants the PM's job. Yeah. Um. Although, and a lot of people, I think, will be, you know, cheering Freeland twenty twenty three, um. But. She's not necessarily. Um, she's more of a technocrat yeah. than perhaps anyone else in the entire government, um, which has made her deaf at NAFTA and others. I got I got one who's a bigger technocrat. I know who your treasure board. Duclos, yeah. yeah. He's the he's a technocrat's yes. technocrat. But yes, fair enough though. Um, 
So it, it will be interesting if she ever runs to be the heir to the Trudeau Empire. Um, how her sort of skills in the hustings, because that's not an area. The the EQ side that Trudeau has is not necessarily the area that Freeland yeah. is used to be strong. Can I, can I ask you, do, do you know the origin of the phrase, the hustings? No. I don't either. I have no idea. <laughs> this mystery to me. What is a hustings? I couldn't tell you. Politics is all these stupid words like a Burma shave. Have you ever, have you ever participated in a Burma shave? Dude, the NDP does Burma shaves all the time. Very, very big on the Burma shaves. You, you know the background of Burma Yeah, the, the ad campaign where there's like the one sign after the other on yeah, the road. Wait, but that's not what Burma shaves are politically. They're not like putting up a whole bunch of sort of quirky signs sequentially down the No, road. it's just like, vis- like it's visibility. Standing yes. and waving at cars as if you're the yes. Mr. Sub Sandwich Man. Yeah. You're not wrong. The flippy sign? Yeah. Oh, I don't know any politicians that have a flippy sign down. They maybe, I mean, honestly, like, give Doug Ford time. <laughs> he is the car dealership premier. Like, give him time. 20% off MSRP! So, anyways, that, that was my mea culpa around uh, uh, Freeland and Freeland's role in this government. I think it is huge, enormous, cannot be uh, understated. This right? And... Uh, she is midway through picking up as many files as she possibly can. Oh, and it's hilarious, too, because, like, Champagne at this point, who's the nominally the foreign affairs minister. But, but she's always done this. Yes. To her credit. Yes. Like, she took the trade file from the trade minister yeah. on her way out. Yeah. And she's still taking it from him, and now she's taking the U.S. file from And, and health now, minister, apparently, and, and like... health file, and the interprovincial... Oh, just, yeah, all of it. One thing that is that is a little mind-boggling to me about Trudeau's state of mind here uh, is that for the last two months, approximately, he's been derided by, you know, not least us, but certainly, like, both major opposition parties, national opposition parties, I should say, not including the bloc, as someone who is a weak leader and isn't showing up and blah, 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 the rest of it. And, like, he's doing absolutely nothing to disabuse people of that notion no and that to me is a bit mysterious in the sense that you think it it is actually as far as problems go a pretty easy one to rectify right like the showing up stuff is not that hard to do the being seen to be in control thing is not that hard to do be on your own covid panel yeah like yeah, it just, it's odd, and I don't know really what to make of that, except to think that maybe he genuinely is just kind of checked out at this point. I don't, that seems unlikely to me, but who knows? Yeah, I... I if you're Justin Trudeau, drop us a line. <laughs> I'm sorry. DM us, that's for pants pod. Yeah, I just finished reading his, uh, his autobiography. Right, Common Ground. Common Ground, yeah. penned by... John K. Yeah. By John K. Um, I I just it connects very well with who I imagine Justin Trudeau to be. Yes. Um, I don't recommend reading it. It's it's not good. I mean, I would very quickly flip through pages of just bullshit. And Etienne, for um, if Etienne gives a book a bad review, it really is something because he reads like three a year. <laughs> So it's like that's one third of his quota just blown on something you didn't even enjoy. I partially read a lot of books, all right? I just don't finish a lot. That's that's dumb. You gotta um, finish your books. Yeah, I mean, the most telling insight from it, aside from like the part about his relationship with 
father genuinely interesting sort of understanding who he is today and like his family dynamics and like how he views himself via John Kay's words. Yes. Um, but there's also just fun little anecdotes like Mark Miller went around arm wrestling like local village mayors in Africa when they were on like a vendor trip in university. Oh, well, there you go. So some, some shout outs to, uh, it, it's just really funny actually following, um, the names he mentions as like high school friends. Yeah. Friendship caucus. Who are all now cabinet ministers. <laughs> quite, it's quite hilarious. Yeah. That is good to see. My friend from the debate club, my friend from Bray Buff, my friend from our trip through this area. Cabinet. Like, or PMO, I guess. Or, like, chief of staff in another department. Yes. So like, yeah. A, a little, little day, a little be a little... Friendship Hawk is very powerful. There we are. Well, I think that'll that'll do it for us this week. Uh, thank you once again for listening. Uh, we can be followed on Twitter at ShortPantsPod, uh, which is one of the best Twitter accounts going, if you ask me. Um, I don't know why you would, but <laughs> that's what I would say. Um, yeah, you can get in touch with us there. Uh, we, do do get in touch. We we need ideas for these shows a lot of times. Yeah, we um, we sort of spend a lot of time like thinking about what we want to talk about, and you know, often we just it's a conversational show, so it is what it is. But yeah, no, thanks once again for listening. Uh, do you want to talk about the beer we had? We haven't actually done that in a little bit. Um, we had two. Yeah, but do the second. Actually, they're both interesting. So why don't uh, we talk about both? So they're both from uh, my most recent visit to uh, Prince Edward County. We have uh, Parsons Brewing Company and. Gillingham. Yeah, so Parsons is kind of an established Prince Edward County beer player at this point. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, been around a couple of years. Well, like, yeah, like a, a, a good chunk of time by craft beer standards. Standard. Yeah. So you had their, their summer saison. How was that? That was, that was fine. Uh, I mean, it is obviously no longer summer, so I wonder how old that beer is, but here we are. True. I had their Yuzu Pale Ale. Uh, which is very tasty and quite refreshing. I think usually it was a nice little like lemon lime split the difference kind of kind of fruit. Also, I'm gonna mention it. Sorry, but if you haven't seen the video of uh, capybaras in a Japanese hot spring uh, with a bunch of yuzu like floating in there, they look so relaxed and honestly one of the one of the best videos going. Highly recommend looking that up. Uh, second beer or third beer, I suppose. Uh, it was Gillingham Brewing Company, uh, which is uh, what is this one? Is saison? It's like a pumpkin spice beer, but it's actually good. Yeah, it has pumpkin, cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, allspice, etc. Gillingham is a new brewery in Prince Edward County, just outside of Domain Darius. I think it's run by the That's not a helpful indication for people. Um, (laughs) It's a very good winery in Prince Edward County that that only sells bottles there. And has, Um, has no website. Yeah, like highly worth a visit. Uh, very, very good stuff. I still got a couple bottles from where we went. So this is like their son, um, their son's brewery, and it's great, great place to visit. There you go. Not available in the LCBO. Yep. Well, too bad. <laughs> too bad. Well, the good news is like probably greater than fifty percent of people who listen are in Ottawa, so it's but a hop and a skip along the four hundred one. Indeed, I this uh, the central irony of the show, as as I think we've said many times in. Off the off the podcast record is that the, the whole point of the show really was that we were gonna make Ottawa more accessible to people who aren't here and explain kind of like what people do in back rooms and sort of the analysis that undergirds that stuff and and all of that, uh, which we do. But the thing is, is that like the bubble is a bubble for a reason. It turns out that people in the <laughs> bubble are really interested in it, and people outside of it are not. So go figure. Yeah. You know, 
A lot, of, a lot of staffers. Yeah, and that's fine. Anyway, uh, good luck next week when the house comes back. All the staffers listen to the show. and uh, Ooh, budget, Budget's actually coming up very budget soon. Budget is coming up very soon. We'll certainly do an episode when that happens. We don't have a date, but uh, soon. By, by the end of March, probably. Yes. Bye-bye, folks. <laughs>